I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod once again. Quarterfinal week in the Rugby World Cup. We'll get into who's going to win, who's going to lose and why it could be some pretty tough picks along the way, I reckon. Portugal's win, of course. We'll talk a little bit about that and how that shapes the Fiji versus England game in the quarterfinals. A couple of viewer questions as well. And, of course, we'll talk about Super Rugby Opiki getting bigger and better for the year towards the end of the show. Everyone here is fizzing, including James Parsons. Not only this quarterfinals, but there were some quarterfinals. I know we're mainly international rugby, but that quarterfinals of the NPC were outstanding as well. So... Plenty of rugby every weekend, which is great. Yeah, it's unfortunate the NPC, we just haven't really been able to cover that much. No. Way too much rugby to get into along the well, way. Well, World Cup, yeah, you expect it, but I just thought exactly. I'd get a little, uh, yeah, little get tip your, of the Get cap. your plug in there, yeah, get yeah, your plug yeah. in there, absolutely. And coming in on the big screen, all the way, look at that, <laughs> from Hawaii, <laughs> Bren Hall. Hello, boys. How are we? So are we? Very exciting times. Yeah, yeah. You, you could have just taken us onto the balcony and showed us the whole view, Brent. You know, glasses oh, on, there, no. shirt off. There you go. Because it's because it's party time. Give me a second, mate. Just let me. Uh... Where's his pina colada? Oh, I think he's spent the morning with Y five O, so he's he's going to take this evening. There we go, lads. Oh, oh it's, it's a selfie it's the, the ages. Wow, well, that is the view. Dream, Living the Maybe dream. the last couple of, couple of days, lads, but um, it's obviously party time in Hawaii, but it's also party time for the quarterfinal stage. So, look, men, very excited to uh, to delve into this quarterfinal stage that we've we'll been talking about the last couple of weeks and the last couple of years. So, how good. What a segue. I'm just imagining <laughs> Bryn holding his cell phone up, watching the rugby while lying back on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, that, man will, that man will have a big screen TV found and sorted. No <laughs> doubt about that. Right. OK. Well, let's get into it then. Obviously, from a New Zealand perspective, we are thinking about this game against Ireland and whether or not New Zealand can learn from how the Scottish went down because the Irish were incredible in that game. Defensively as well. Like, Attacking-wise, I think it was more Scotland's issues that created too many opportunities, which Ireland had to take. But defensively, the amount of tackles they made, they they kept, um, I suppose, the, the Scottish to 38% gain line. Um, and it probably shows what we don't need to do this week. We need that Mount Smart performance and we need to go direct, like straight through them, Shannon Frizzell, through that midfield, um, as we did against the Springboks there. 
because um, if, if you don't do that, you're not going to wear them out. You're not going to draw in the defence enough to find the space on the edge. Scotland tried to go to the edge so quickly, and they constantly just got caught behind the game line, and, and they were just chasing their tail. But um, the defence, if, if you just let Ireland defend, it's going to be too easy. So you, there's a balance of being direct, but then you need that attack and kicking game, which I know everyone will panic at because we didn't execute it that well against France. But there are going to, if, if we do not kick, why would you slow your line speed? If you're Ireland, mm. if we don't put those little kicks in behind or you put more contestables up to try and get the wingers to hold back and then potentially there's space on the edge or midfielders are having to cover those those chips or Jamison Gibson Park, it's just going to be status quo and you just get beaten up. Mm. One thing that I think is a little bit scary for me is defend, our defensive system. Um, and from you know listening to the Irish around what they're delivering over in their media, they're really excited around the way that how we defend. And I think that we've got a great percentage around 88, 90%, but, you know, we don't want to be making 220 odd tackles, uh, which I think, you know, with our lines we push that we don't have at the moment. I think it's one area that I think, you know, Johnny Sexton and that Irish attack will be really excited for us. So whether we can actually um, change that in this competition, I'm not too sure. Because if you look at the two tries that um, the Irish scored, I think it was James Lowe and... Sorry, one moment on my notes. It was James Lowe and the Keenan try. If you look at the disconnection between Tui Polotu and Russell in those kind of two um, tries, if we are similar in those positions and not making good defensive reads and putting pressure under them in that kind of area, then we're in for a very long day. So I can imagine the breakdown area will be important and defensively, but we've got to bring more line speed and we've put this team under pressure. Line speed doesn't even really start with line speed though. Like they're fit enough to bring line speed. It's the initial tackle, the collision in the tackle. So you have to win that initial hit. Try and get double shoulders so they can dominate that collision because their carriers are just so strong and and powerful and they get get you retreating all the time. And then secondly, you have to put some pressure in there defensively to slow the ball down because if you don't slow the ball down, you, you're never going to be able to bring that defensive pressure. I do think at times Scotland slowed the ball down on both those tries you talk about, Lowe's first one and probably more so um, Keenan's one, is that I know it was midfield ruck, well mid-ish and you know normal thought is that they can go both ways here but I think you've got to chuck the normal rules out of the book because of the way Ireland attack they can create that depth and if you let them get through five passes they, you know, and, and you're a staggered D-line um, where Bundy Aki comes down and then frees up with the offload, because they don't win that initial contact collision, then you know they're, they're constantly on the back foot. But also, what's worst case scenario is if you put them under pressure, like massive line speed pressure. Yes, they can kick there. I get that. But then, like you're just going to have to outwork because if you don't do that, you've got these guys on the inside that are just going to have to corner flag it. And yes, they they'll get some wins. But you've got to be comfortable with that. You've got to accept it because if you don't adjust their attack and you let them go through their plays, they'll they'll win. If they win that go forward ball, and we look at the series that they did play in New Zealand, Jamison Gibson Park, they were playing quick ball, and you know Jip is a defender. If you're going backwards and you don't have time to take point who's in front of you, look at the animation that the Irish do very very well. Then we're going to be in trouble. You look at the Tui Polotu, um, Tui Polotu and Russell disconnection. You know, they went on the same page, and all it takes is that animation, short ball out the back, Keenan and Arke. It's really hard defensively to make that that um that decision. So I know the All Blacks will be going through those situations, but winning that collision battle is going to be massive for us to be able to try and nullify that attack of the Irish. But don't you think Tupelo could have just gone? Like there was actually enough time. They were set. 
he could have just gone, but it was because yep. he held and then his outside went yep. up. That that's what caused the disconnect. Yes, they were short defensively. I get that. I get that there's going to be space there and a big cutout. But if you throw a cutout pass, the time that it's in the air gives these guys on the inside the ability to corner flag and save it. Mm. So even if you're short defensively, I think you've just got to go. Like even yep. um, what was the try? Um, I can't remember. One of the tries in the second half, uh, I think it was Keenan's second, and he rolled over. Mm. Like they're on the line. Like if they do a crossfield mm. kick. Like, he was always going to score if you're passive defensively on your try line. So, yep. like, we've just got to go after it and, and accept before the game, this is how we're going to play it. And if it, if it doesn't win, it doesn't win. But doing what yep. everyone else is doing is not going to be the option. Yep. The decision-making areas of our centres, our wingers, and our loose forwards that are working in and inside with our outside backs, and sometimes it might even be a tight forward, the decision-making process of being really clinical and understanding your role in those situations is going to be really important for us against the Irish team this week. If the intensity in the changing room is anything as big as the intensity <laughs> here about what they've got to do, you're going to think the All Blacks are going to be going quite well. But uh, let me come to our first viewer question. Uh, Paul Brennan sent us through an email. and Thank you for sending us through the email. Paul, uh, you can send them to aotearoa.rugbypod at sky.co.nz or leave a comment in the YouTube comments section. His question was in regards to Ronan O'Gara's comments about defensively the All Blacks are weak. He says, why don't they rush up like other teams? Why are they passive? Like, what is the point? Why do they do it that way? Well, the reason, and, and Scotland sort of looked the same, is they sort of come up and then use the sideline as an extra defender. So they're trying to force you to go to the edge and then, then they can corral you there. But when you've got the amount of bodies in motion that Ireland have, it's just leaving too much to chance. And then even if you do make the right decision, it's not going to be a dominant tackle. So if, if they don't break you then in that mm. phase, you may tackle them in that phase. They will break you the next one mm. because you haven't had that dominance. And guys like Jamison Gibbs Park, yeah. that's the speed of ball you do not want. Yeah. So I agree. That's what we're trying to say is like you just have to go after them. Yeah. and hope yeah. that it comes off and trust that you've done the fitness work. Like, Nick Gill's got them fit. Mm. There's no question of that. They can corner flag and, and, and recover. And even sometimes you oh. would understand if they do that crossfield kick and there's mm. separation between the Irish winger and the cleaners, if it's a good tackle there and the amount of work, like guys like Leicester and that on the edge and, and having a potential turnover in that area, yes, you've given up 15 metres, but you've got the ball back. Mm. And even if you don't get the ball back, you've challenged that breakdown and you've made them go outside of their system and then they have to play instinctively and off the cuff. I agree with Ronan around um, the All Blacks is probably a little bit more passive in that sense, being more connected. And because we're very good tacklers and you look at our percentages of that we've had throughout the years, it's at their high 80s and the, the 90s. But you look at the example of the Irish when we, they ended up coming down and played us, we made our tackles, but we made 21, 22 tackles in the very first five minutes of those those last two test matches, and we weren't winning the breakdown battle, we weren't winning that collision area that you're talking to, Jip. So if we aren't going to bring that pressure, Ireland have the ability, they're resilient enough in their in their attack structures to win breakdown, to keep to keep going for Jamison Kipps and Park will choose both sides wherever he sees the space. Sexton will do the same and we'll be in for a very long day. So I think to keep the tackle quality right, like Jip said in the very first with our tight five, especially in that kind of um just outside line dominating that and then from there being set and then being able to bring the line speed pressure. I think you, you spoke about tackle accuracy, right? And I, I, I don't mm. think we worry about that this week purely because the Scots tackled at 93%. Mm. They didn't miss tackles. They just made passive tackles. 
and that speed of ball you just cannot recover from. So I'd rather us tackle at 85%, but we're dominant for 10. Because you don't want to just go, okay, we're rush D this week. Because rush D can go horribly wrong if, you, if you're not good at it. Like, it, it seriously can go mm. bad. Because um, if you look at um, Scotland, again, like, some rushed, some didn't. Mm. And that's where, that's where the problem was. So they can still press and then use the sideline. Yeah. But it's almost like those first five steps need to need to get in the face. But also, as Sexton's looking out there, there's a black jersey in his eye line. Yeah. If they're all back there, he knows he can just go through with the motion. But if he sees a black jersey in his eye line, which South Africa did so well, and yet they threw the big pass, but they recovered. Mm. If, if he sees people there, he's going to have to carry. The more often that we can get him carrying, is the more often we'll know our defence is working. Our sensors and our wingers this week, um, look, I think... Because those guys are in that position where they probably um, have a really good understanding of being able to get really, really high to be able to, like you said, Jip, Sexton's coming around the corner and they're seeing a Rico Yawani or Will Jordan or Lester or Talia are up in, that, in the eye line. Sexton might have the right that's not on. I'm going to carry and go back in the inside. Um, those are probably the guys that I think are really, really important. So you don't need to probably change a lot of the structures. It's those guys that are in those outside positions that can really spook the ability of those ball players from the Irish. So... You know, I'd like to think that Will Jordan and hopefully the outsides this week can get in that island of six and when he's coming around the corner and then, you know, we can still have our structures inside and be able to, you know, still bring line speed pressure, but it isn't that all out. We need to go hard and we're not, we don't understand who, who we're going for. So, Brim, we spend all this time talking about the weaknesses of the All Blacks, how they need to improve in order to stay with Ireland. What about Ireland's weaknesses? Where are the places that the All Blacks should feel that they can get some sort of superiority? I think our set piece, we've made a lot of improvements. We can win there if we're really disciplined around that and our attacking ability around the breakdown and our attacking kicks that we've shown improvements the last year. So there's some really good things that our All Blacks can do. Again, again, the challenge is, are we able to execute under pressure? That's going to be the biggest question come the quarterfinal. I agree with you because you, you flip your focus straight to the All Blacks there. I actually don't think, if, if everyone continues to play the same way, that Ireland expects everyone to play, they don't have any weaknesses. Mm. Like, that's the fact. Yeah. They do not have any mm. weaknesses currently. But that's my point around, you know, using the Wayne Smith theory is show a couple of defensive pitches and, and chop and change. You know, make them think you're doing one thing, but you know you're doing another, both on attack and defence. So it is about ourselves. It's not about reshaping everything. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like do a whole new game plan because it's not going to be possible. You know, it'll be clunky, it'll be out of sync. Keep with the same game plan, but have little nuances in it where individuals within that system, and everyone knows there'll, there'll be certain individuals, everyone knows that they've got a licence to do something. Like I think Enrico Ioanni can really do defensively. He can shoot up in front, I, I believe. Because of his pace, he can get back. It, it doesn't necessarily mean everyone has to. Yeah. So there's little things we can do to make them not play on their terms. If we don't do that and just let them play on their terms, they'll, they'll, they'll wear down. And the other issue is, and it's again in our control, is discipline. Like, if you look at the Springboks game, that was the difference. Like, they just gave them too many opportunities. Yes, the Springboks should have won it. If they had a kicker done, I get all that. But they gave Ireland too many opportunities through, through discipline. Their defence was immaculate. Mm. They made Ireland really earn it. But you just don't want to give those easy entries. The South African fans, I'm sure, would say that set piece is a place where you can attack Ireland. I mean, it wasn't Sheehan starting at hooker. Yeah, I think it was. We saw a, like the Scots are good in the line out. Yeah. Like that, that, I, I haven't seen the Ireland team struggle at line out time personally, except for that Springbok 
yeah. um, performance. The moment they're hesitant in any of their decisions, we're doing something right because it's something they haven't seen. And that's what I really liked about the line-out variations on attack. Because, man, now you're thinking what they've got these threats and Artie's such an athlete, he could come round. You know, Sam Kane and Colsey showed round the front. Oh, but now we can maul as well. So, again, it's us controlling that second of hesitation. That's all you're trying to do to get defenders to hesitate. And that's when you can pounce. It's really just going to come down, I think, to a steal, a miss, a miss clean or, you know, a decision-making error. And I think that's really going to be the difference in the game. So... Um, you know, we've harped on around what it might look like and the things that both teams should do and what we're thinking. But when it comes down to it, I believe, it's going to be one situationally moment that's going to win this test match. So hopefully it's for the All Blacks and I believe that we can do it. Um, but yeah, there's not going to be much between it, between these two teams at all. Okay, so we got an email from Shane Allison and Shane Allison sent us an email with a link. And Shane, thank you for that. It was a link with quotes about Nuku now being available to play in the midfield, having spent time at 12 and 13 for the All Blacks now after the game against Uruguay. So, listifying Anuku in moments is a guy. He's a guy who can get turnovers. He's a guy who can break the line. He's a guy who can score tries from seemingly impossible positions. Will they finally give him a start on the left wing in this game? I think the fact that he moved to the midfield suggests he'll be in 23. He'll be wearing number 23. Personally, yeah. yeah. It's going to be hard. Um, the only way they can do it is um, moving Will to 15. Like, we can't just ignore what Mark's doing. Yeah. And he hasn't done anything to warrant being dropped. Will, you're not going to have a team without Will Jordan. So, you know, but, yes, I know Bo didn't get the accuracy and the execution right of the short kicking game, but this is that is going to be a massive factor in winning this game yeah. and changing that Irish defence. So I don't see them making <coughs> changes. Mm. I think Leicester should, like, he 23 carries. He's the busiest player on the field. He just wants to be involved. He wants to make a difference. Everything about him, you've got to have him there somewhere. Personally, I, I, it's either you make the tough call and start him, or you have to have confidence that, he can do a job, worst-case scenario. If we fall into the trap of having Leicester on the bench trying to cover that 12-13 that role, I think it's very, very risky if we have an injury. You know, Geordie Barrett goes off in the first 10 minutes to be able to then ask Leicester to, to, to jump in that 12, that 12 jersey alongside with Rico at 13. So I think with Damian McKenzie, especially with how he's played, coming off the bench and even his form as well, I think he's warranted around his combination with Cam Royguard. Being that 21-22, really, really important for us, I believe. If we need that last 20 minutes and something special, I think those two can work really well together. And I think Anton Leonard Brown in that 23 covers that 12 and 13 for the worst-case scenario. So I believe it's a Mark Talia towards a Leicester flying on side in 11. And both guys have played really, really well. You know, I think if you look at Leicester, the positives that he does bring, and which he's probably shown, he's played in big matches, he's won championships, and has a really good understanding around what finals footy looks like, which is a positive that he can have. He's great in around the, the things that you talked around, Jip. And defensively as well, he's like another loose forward. If you look at that Chiefs and Crusaders final game, I know it's not at an international level, but the winning of that game was Leicester on that ball for a steal in a big moment. You know what I mean? So, And on the other side, you've got Mark who has great, great work, great traits as well, and is really, really good. So again, it's a really tough decision, but I believe that you're deciding around that, that, left, that left wing. It's a Mark Talia or it's a Leicester Whangunuku and you're leaving a Damien McKenzie, Cam Roygaard and Antolina Brown being able to cover that 12-13 spot. Has Damien played well enough to go to 15? And then you have, you know, uh, a Leonard Brown and a Leicester on the bench. 
But I mean, we know that there's no way in hell they're getting rid of Bowden Barrett. I mean, that's it's just been proven time and time and time again. It doesn't matter who's playing well or what they're doing. Bowden Barrett is an absolute certainty in this team. Yeah, and I get for this week his his game suits, in my opinion, how we should play. Yeah. Um, but I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think like, should we just Try and win this thing. Like, yeah. do something different. Do, like, go after it. When I think about Ian Foster's history, he has rolled the dice a number of times in teams that he's been involved in. You think about the World Cup semi-final against England. They rolled the dice on Scott Barrett at six, not playing Sam Kane. They're happy to roll the dice. They didn't play Ryan Crotty or Sonny Bill Williams. They didn't play Ben, ben Smith. Smith yeah. They're happy. He's happy in his attacking systems to roll the dice. So... And he's happy to do it in a big game. There's the history there, Bryn. So maybe there's a chance that he'll do it. Yeah, he's been pretty, not, not going to say stubborn, the idea that the how the All Blacks playing is really important to have Richie Bowden in those positions. Because what Bowden does really, really well, very good communicator, very good game manager and understanding, very experienced in his one World Cup. So you can't buy that experience and understanding situationally. Very smart player. You've played with him a lot, Chip. I can imagine those things that I'm bringing up are very, you know, apparent of what he does as a rugby player. I think with how this All Black team plays, you're going to have to have Bowden at fullback. That's just what we've seen. That's what we've been accustomed to, and I don't think we changed that. It's just, I, I just don't feel confident. I don't feel confident having Lester at 23-year-old and him covering that 12 position. I'd rather have an Antoine Leonard Brown or David Harvilli, a midfielder predominantly covering that, and you've got to make a big call around Mark Tilly and Lester Fanganuku. You choose the best out of those two and where they believe. Or should we just be like the South Africans and go for a four-four split? <laughs> do something different. <laughs> do, do something out the game. No, I'm just asking the question because, like, if we don't have the conversation, yeah, people are going to be like, "Well, yeah, w everyone knows that." But like, Damian McKenzie is another player like a Leicester. I don't think Mark Talia should be dropped, but I think Leicester should be in the team. Yeah. So I'm just trying to oh. find a way because I just can't. Like Mark Talia's numbers are ridiculous as well. Yeah. Yep. We know that's not going to happen, so people say, why are you talking about it? But I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've done that game pretty well. We've got an hour to fit all of these games in. I think we got to the bottom of that relatively well. The next game, France against South Africa, is an absolute doozy. The South Africans are good. The French are good. I'm really interested, Bryn, to see how you see this playing out. I suppose, first and foremost, we've got to acknowledge the Pont factor. He's going to see a uh, medical specialist Monday night New Zealand time, Monday French time, so we're recording before that. So we don't know where he sits right now. Um, but let's say he is playing. How do you see this playing out? I'm just going to take two situations here, Ross. Sorry, I'm going to answer your question. But if the Pont doesn't play, I don't believe they win. And I know that's really hard for the French fans to hear that, but just with how he is, and even though that the French played very, very well, Halle B, I think, has been able to, he's come in and really, I guess, drove that team and has, has had some outstanding performances in DuPont's, um, but DuPont not being there, but I don't think they win if he doesn't play. Um, the South Africans, I think, will take confidence. Doesn't matter if DuPont isn't played or not. I just think with the way that they play, you look at the physicality, they're going to bring that every single time, whoever they play, and they'll, they'll back themselves in and around that area, but I think the way that they've changed their game nicely in the last 12 months, especially with Leboc and Willemsa. Now, whether Leboc starts, that's going to be probably a question you're going to post to us, Ross, that we'll talk about. I'm not too sure, but their attacking game that they've got 
the balance that they can fall back into a um, into a defensive pressure game, whether it be the kicks off off the clerk or kicking long and playing without the ball, they have the ability to be able to do that. So I'm actually picking the South Africans um, if the Pont doesn't play. But then it's with all the good stuff that I said about the South Africans, if the Pont plays, they the French win because he's just that influential and he's the best player in the world. And they've had so much success when he plays. So that's how I see the Test match probably going. The thing about the South Africans is, and I think Pollard should start, um, I just think they can play you in any style. And it's just their carefree nature. Like, we're just doing it our way. Like, and it will look different from week to week and get over it. Like, we don't actually care what you think. I like that confidence and that belief in what they're about and there's no sort of surprises to them in camp. There's always surprises to us. But um, I don't know. I, I, think, I think they're the new potential favourite in my head to win the whole thing. I just think their attitude and, and their cavalier nature of we're doing it our way, I don't know why. I've said this to another a number of people over the weekend and they said, oh, you're all about Ireland last week. And, uh, I said, yeah, well, I'm still about Ireland. Like, they, they could yeah. still win it. Like, yeah. there's four teams, let's be honest, that could win this competition. Um, no disrespect to the other teams in the quarterfinal. Um, Just a little bit. <laughs> we've been through this earlier in this. Uh, sorry. Um, I didn't really say it respectfully either. Again, I'm not learning from my mistakes. I'm not learning from my mistakes. Sorry. I apologise. Um, I didn't know where I was, but but the, the people are just like they don't they don't seen it the way I'm seeing it. I, yeah. I get that, and maybe I'm looking because I had a few wins along the way of a few you know upsets that I've picked along. I'm getting too cocky, maybe mm. I don't know, but that's just what my my gut tells me at the moment. Bryn, when you look at this, you, you mentioned before, and you've also mentioned um, Pollard, and so Pollard he could play. Lebok could play. They've talked about how they're relatively comfortable with both options. It really probably is going to come down to, and I think Rossi said this, their bench split. Are they willing to go 7-1? Because if they go 7-1, then it, it's probably Pollard, isn't it? But if you go 6-2 or 5-3, then you could probably take both of them and have the best of both worlds. Yeah, well, I try and look at the positives around selecting both, right? So I think if Lebok starts that I think having a 6-2 split with Pollard, having Pollard on the bench will probably be better because I think, you know, you come into, let's just say, you know, it comes to the last 25 or 30 minutes, the Bok or Willems or whoever's kicking isn't kicking their goals. You can bring a Pollard on for that exact It's reason. too late. It's going to be think... too tight for that. It's too late. Like, you cannot <laughs> risk it. Yeah. I just can't sit here and hear that again. Like, we had this discussion right. two weeks ago. Yeah. It cost them a game. Yes. It's Pollard, but Pollard wasn't on the bench though. Pollard wasn't on the bench. I know, but they were missed. Like it, he missed, and then they gave Faf a crack. Like too late. But that's what I mean because the reason. Sorry, the reason why Leboc to start Leboc is because if they're wanting to play that attacking brand, which they have shown with Leboc and Villemsa, it works really, really well. I think it just they look like a better team when they're able to attack with those two guys there. Now, can Pollard do the same? I'm not too sure. He probably can, but I haven't seen enough within that environment with the amount of time they've had that he can do the same. But if you want to win goal with goal kicks and you want territory and they want to go in that kind of situation, or maybe just have Pollard to try and do what LeBoc does in that attacking style, then great. But I'm just trying to go with both sides. Yeah. If you do start LeBoc, I get Yeah. I suppose the first thing is, in the first 40, are we going to take three? If, that, if we are, then Pollard should start. Okay. Uh, do we think we're going to dominate them all or are we going to get them potentially through the midfield? If we get them through the midfield, you're going to be closer, the conversion potentially, 
Do you know what I mean? So they've got to get really clear on what that first 40 looks like and the decisions they're going to make in and around penalties. So we spoke from the start about how there'd be injuries and Pollard and Arm would be back in there and, you know, we talked about the deselection comments and things that happened over time. And here we are with Pollard available and Arm in the squad, although the assistant coaches said, look, he might not play this week because he's just arrived. He might be more of a certainty for the semi-final. But in saying that, he's... Uh, probably the best centre in the world, and would you want to risk not playing him in this particular game? We saw it coming, Jipper. Yep, yeah, it was definitely predicted, and, and we're here. Um, Arms played a lot. I'm always a big believer, like, guys with a lot of experience can actually just turn up. Like, we saw it a lot with Richard McCord. And There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Dan Carter towards the end of their career, like they could be months out of the game and they it's you know, they go into autopilot. They know how to deliver in the big moment. Especially someone like Arm as well. Um, just defensively, if you know, they've lost into Mark, potentially they don't have DuPont for eighty minutes, um, or zero minutes. Again, like I said about Rico Ioani, he can really challenge Sheila Bear's yeah. decision making and the and, and, and his fluency. Yeah, within the game, he looks. He, he's a great player when he's fluent and he's playing on top. But if a player of arms experience can make him think, you know, they want to get that ball to Pino. Yeah, and if Arm can mm. make him think, it, they have to kick it uh, to him, and he can get back and cover and help on the inside and potentially get the steal or disrupt that breakdown or potentially get an intercept if they try to go through too many or a spot tackle behind the game line. He's that's what he's known for. Mm. You'd have to think if they go 6-2, there'll be a, a player that can play midfield, but probably six other positions too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose the lucky thing about this is that the box name their teams early in the week and they show you their cards and they say, can you beat them? Whereas, you know... We all the think they show us their cards. Back, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. But either way, outstanding game. Who comes out of that? Who knows? The other side of the draw now. Let's talk about that. Wales, Argentina, England, Fiji what you would call the weaker side of the draw, but both games are riveting games. <coughs> Wales, Argentina, I think from what we saw this morning with Argentina, you get the feeling that they're back in a place where they could win that game. Yeah, they'd be pretty confident, I think, and I think the area that we... Well, I've, I've touched on it a lot around them is their discipline. Yeah, if you look at the start of the tournament, you know, they had 13 penalties against England, a yellow card. Mm. 11 penalties against Samoa, a yellow card. Nine penalties against Chile, be albeit uh, obviously a tier two nation, seven penalties against Japan. So there's obviously been massive improvement within that group. So you'd have to think that their discipline issues 
probably isn't you know, warranted on me saying I'm going to base this um, this game based around their, dis- their discipline. So if they can keep their magic number un- into a single number, then I think the attacking prowess that they've shown um, even against the Japanese um, and they could play with that high tempo and the physicality contact within their breakdown area, then I think they're a genuine chance of beating this Welsh, Welsh side. Who are, you know, at the same time, will have confidence, but the, the injury issues, I'm not too sure. Then um, Falatau, Gareth Anscombe as well, I'm not too sure. And I'm not as big out, as big out for the competi- uh, for the rest of the competition as well. No, big as available, I think, from what I read this morning. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah so, but Argentinians will definitely be, um, you know, confident, confident, especially in their discipline area as well. I think Anscombe's important based on the penalty stats you just gave, because mm. he can kick, but he can attack. Yeah, and Reece Samet yep. was very, very, very good on the weekend. That battle between, I think, Kadeves was the player of the weekend. Personally, that that was a game. Um, Hockabares was was just as good as well. Those guys almost got their mojo back, and we started to see the Argentina of old. Of um, you know, they only did five offloads, but they were, what I loved about their discipline on defence as well as attack was five offloads, five from five, mm. and three of those led to tries. And that's when Argy are at the best, when they can give those offloads and then they use their pace and their flair um, out the other side. Um, so it's, it's a hard, like, I do feel this one's more about seeing teams named. Yeah. Um, but if I was having to call today based on what I know, um, I feel like Argentina's got their mojo back. But I reserve the right <laughs> to oh, team naming. To, to and I'm happy to send a text and we could screen grab it and show it if I change. <laughs> Time and date. I just don't think we can shy away from the Warren Gatlin factor in World Cups. Now, I know they haven't won a World Cup, but it just seems that we can't underestimate his coaching ability when it comes to these kind of weeks. He's been in a few semi-finals, you know. He's won quarter-final matches, you know. Probably teams that we haven't, you know, we haven't probably backed them. And for whatever reason, when it comes to this kind of footy, Warren Gatlin has a really good ability with that group to be able to to get the result done. So, well, defensively, he knows how to get your side to put you under pressure. Like he's Correct. very good at that. Like he's one of the original Rush D coaches. <clears throat> Um, back when he did Waikato NPC, I think, all yeah. the way back then. So um, he will pressure the skills of Argentina, but their discipline seems like Japan challenged them. Yeah. Like they, yep. they got challenged. But yes, I agree. The Warren factor is, is massive. Even just the way he gets interviewed, he's like, ah, oh, we're a bit clunky, but he just doesn't ever look stressed. <laughs> it's like no one yeah. gave him a chance to do what he's done into this World Cup, and he, he still just seems very relaxed and confident. With each side at their very best, let's return to that question that we had last year, last week about ceilings. Do you feel like the ceiling oh for God. Argentina? I got a lot of interesting messages on that. People enjoyed how random we went there. Yeah, they definitely found it entertaining. I we're more a comedy show than a rugby show, but um, we were deadly serious. Yeah, I think Argentina. Argentina. I don't know. I've just got it in my head. I've just got. To, I've just. I've got Warren's in my head. Yeah, yeah. You just. Of... You just want an invite back to Waihee. That's what you're worried about. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I don't know. I close my eyes. You want to be sitting right on the now. beach in Waihee. Yeah. Yeah. What does he call it? Malula Bar. Yeah. Uh, the bar. Still, yeah. I've still got it closed, and I can just see Warren Gatlin. I just see him in my head. So I just think they're going to find a way. They'll find a way to get the job done, and I think Wales beat Argentina. So even with their improvement, with. 
We've been here before. F Fiji Aussie. Big believer in Aussie. Yeah. Didn't happen. Argentina, <laughs> Japan. Big believer in Japan. Didn't happen. So, team or no team, I'm getting in behind Argy. You got it. Just to go against them. I'll go yeah. for a three-peat. You'll be a millionaire at the tab <laughs> if you just go the opposite yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> but he's sitting at a beach in Hawaii. Oh, no, he's, he's winning. winning he's winning. Yeah. He's definitely winning. I don't have to do yo-yo when I return from Hawaii, however. <laughs> That's true. That's true. OK, let's move on then to England-Fiji. This weekend, neither of the two teams was particularly impressive. Fiji went down to Portugal. No one saw that coming. England almost got pipped by Samoa. Brent... When you look at that Fijian team and how they went against Portugal, do you feel like they have the capacity to get back to where they were pre-World Cup against England at Twickenham? Yeah, well, I think they do. And I think, you know, probably for a long time, you know, they've been so used to that underdog tag and playing with that freedom and, you know, all of us against the world kind of mindset. And it's probably been a little bit different the last two weeks against all the, you know, teams that they should have beaten probably struggling with that pressure I believe but pretty much shows them in the results that they lost to Portugal and they almost lost to Georgia you know so I think you know confidence wise they're probably not in the best spot but I think drawing back from that experience and I think it's, it's it can be really important for that coaching group to be able to use that that is fuel that result that they had at Twickenham the way that they played there sending those messages throughout the week you know being in a quarterfinal all that I think it's really important for what that coaching group is going to be driven throughout the week, which we've, we've talked you know, a lot about, which has been great for them. Um, but to answer your question, I do think they can go back to what you know they did beat England. Um, but in turn, I think England, um, with the way that they do play, you know, they're massive. The, the one thing that I do love about England and I, and I, you know, is a battler and someone that loves when it comes to work ethic. You look at their kick chase, whether it's a contestable kick, a lot of that time in the game that they played on the weekend, they kicked long to Samuel. You look at the chases, all the chases chasing their ball, the effort areas around being able to put um, put pressure under the kicker and then turn the, ter the territory battle that they won. But I think that's going to be really important against the, the Fiji team. You know, Time and time again, putting them down into that um, smother mindset, kick it down there, chase the kicks, and then from there, go to the set-piece battle where they can have you know a lot of numerical uh, line-outs through that. So I think for England, the work rate, the set-piece parity that I think they'll want to go to and they've got the ability to be able to do that, I think they'll get the job done against the Fijian side. But I think the Fijians still have that ability. If they get it right, like they have shown against, you know, in their Twickenham test match, they can get the job done. Um, but, you know, I'm back in England to get their result in the semi semi-final. I think Fiji, a couple of things. Um... They actually, previously they probably haven't had the ability to make a lot of changes. They've, they've made a lot of changes to freshen some bodies up. They've managed to scrape through. Mm. They will name their top side, which gives them um, a massive opportunity. I do, however, they had another massive amount of ter uh, possession in the 22. And similar to Wales, they just don't make hay while the sun shines enough. They need to be more ruthless in their attacking 22. Because if you look at their stats, and I've said it time and time again, they're not playing in their half. Like, to their credit, they're not playing in their half. I think they just got a little bit lackadaisical and just thought it would happen. Um, not as much as just probably trying too hard against Wales, but they can't, they won't get as many opportunities as they probably did pre World Cup. 
because I think the England team's a, a lot more confident, but they can learn from Samoa. And I like what Mapasua said, um, Coach Mapasua said um, after the game. He goes, really proud of my team, and I, all I ask for them to be is unashamedly Samoan. And that was physical, it was brutal, um, and, and really accurate in that collision area. And if you look at the England stats, 36% gain line. Mm. 40% of England's rucks were in their half, which is not normal stat, that's a high stat for England. And purely because they were just under so much pressure, they couldn't, they were working so hard to get to a position of kicking on their terms, but Samoa just swarmed them. I think Fiji can do that. And, and Fiji have, have probably, you know, a more cohesive squad. I wouldn't say better squad than Samoa, I'd say more cohesive squad and time together to, to finish the job off. England's ruck speed averaged between five and six seconds. So if you're giving a Fijian team that much time to set and come after you, the same will happen. Where Samoa went wrong is their discipline in the last 20. Those five penalties I said about 15 over the game, it led them off the hook. Had that not happened, they, they would have got away with that game. Um, and I think Fiji can do that. And, and they have to be unashamedly Fijian, which is vicious and direct, but also when they get in their half play, don't be safe. You know, when they try to be safe and think they're just going to um, monster people, they need to have a real clear plan. But also when they win collisions, they can get their offload game going and, and, and spook England. I want to talk about that last five minutes because we had another question come through from a long-time viewer, um, my dad, um, <laughs> via WhatsApp. And uh, he had some questions about the yellow card. So... The player from Samoa is off the field. He doesn't get to come back on the field after 10 minutes because play continued and continued and continued and continued. And why on earth, Bryn, can't you bring a player back on when the 10 minutes is over? Just jump back on the field while play's running. Well, we obviously haven't talked about league, Jip. I'm going to bring about league here. That's what they do in rugby league. You know, once that Sinbin period's finished, you can just roll back on the field and, you know, the numerical advantage is done within that, that 10 minutes. You know what I mean? So, and man, you know, you know how hard it is to have 14 men. If you're going to go, you know, 10 minutes, let alone another four minutes, which doesn't seem like a lot to the viewers, but on the field, that numerical disadvantage, you know, and some part of the area, whether it's on attack or defense, always has ability to play on the game. You know what I mean? So, you know, to come back to the league situation, Jim, I think, you know, we can come back from our old friends and say, once that 10 minutes gone, you can just roll them back on and, uh, and you can go from there. I don't see what the problem is. It's not like there's a chat or anything. It's like they just come back on anyway. So I think it's a great idea. It certainly would have helped in the end, wouldn't it? It certainly absolutely would have helped. Let's talk a little bit about England, though, because I'm not convinced by having Farrell at 12. Mm. I feel they play better with Tuilangi at 12 and Marchand at 13. Forget about Farrell. Put him on the bench. I said that. And everyone laughed at me yeah, a few yeah, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, now I'm just saying what you said. but Because I think, you know how we went through that phase of maybe who was driving the ship, Moonga or Barrett? Mm. I think that's the position they're in now, England. Like when Ford was the guy and it was his baby, he, he knew he was just put the ball in front of our lads and, and get the job done. Um, yeah, I think there's that confusion, mm. personally. Um, I agree. Yeah. 
They're not going to do it. Someone to. Well, it's hard when she never captain. Yeah. Named your captain, and what do you do with him? Tell him he's wearing the 22 jersey. Well, it's just unfortunate circumstances. He didn't get a. He was suspended, and he. You know, we found our mojo in a different way, and we've got to back that way. It's yeah. working. Yeah. This is every four years. It's not every year. Well, they could maintain Farrell if they wanted to, but they just have to go, OK, you're starting and Ford, you're on the bench. Yeah, the that is the other option, yeah. Yeah. You know, I agree. I don't think they look they don't look the same. But at the same time, I think it's not a massive area, a big concern considering how England play their game. Look, I think if it's the you know if it's the Irish, the the Kiwis, or the South Africans, it's it's a little bit different. But with their style of play, not being able to want to play in the area, even though they didn't on the weekend trip, I think they will go back to the kicking game, the high pressure, um, high pressure uh, territory battle, suffocate the Fijians, where you don't probably need to have that lightning quick ball. It's it's not really an important thing, I believe, compared to all the other teams that really are dependent on their. That, that top quality ball. So. I don't think it is, but I think if you've seen when they've done well this tournament and when they got their mojo back, a lot of it is off the back of a Tuolangi big hit. He made two tackles. Yes. So Farrell made 12, Curry 11, Earls was 11, George was 10 and Toji was 10. I don't know if it was a tactic from Samoa, but they went at their good jacklers. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and, they, they, and, and they went after Farrell. They were maybe testing him, seeing if he he, he gets um, you know it wrong again. Two tackles for Tuilangi. Yeah. We need him making the most. Mm. If Farrell's making the most, yeah. we need that man there because he will shut down your time and space and he will belt you. Tuilangi isn't as accurate as him. Yes. But he can flip the game on its head, and and he needs like the Fijians won't have a lot of confidence. Mm. And if you can get someone flying out alone, putting skills under pressure, and you've got the skill set of marching and forward to work with that, and you know that. You watch that Argentinian yeah. game. He got, he got a lot of key turnovers that just stemmed their flow. They couldn't be physical. They couldn't get their mojo. They couldn't kick on their terms. And a lot of it was him just flying up, shooting out. And sometimes he didn't even make the tackle. But it's again, he got in that eye line, and he's too lungy. Yes. So people go, oh, yeah. <laughs> geez, I'm not into that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and I think, and this is no disrespect to Fiji, I think you know what they're so good at is their ball carriers are very, I'd say, it's very simple, not simple. Oh, to a certain extent, it's simple. You know that they only need a one on one. So the animation levels that you have of an Ireland or a Scotland or a New Zealand, it's not it's not it's not the same as it was a, as a Fijian. So you talk around tackle percentage and decision makers for Tuolangi, you know, he'll just you know with that just with an eye on the man go hard at him in that confrontation area. It's perfect for likes of a tour like me, you know. So, yeah, just just a, a thought to ponder maybe on that. Right. Okay. So that's the Rugby World Cup. Before we move on, before we finish the episode, we really want to touch on Super Rugby Opiki heading into next year. As an announcement, the competition is expanding. It's now going to be home and away. For those of you who don't know what Super Rugby Opiki is, that's the New Zealand Women's Super Rugby competition. So it's going to be an expansion. Home and away games plus final starts later on in March. A bigger season, a bigger pre-season, more money, just a better chance for these women to have a chance at being a professional rugby player. Jip, you've been pretty heavily involved in this in your role at the Players Association. It's a good day. Yeah, look, I still think it's a stepping stone. Don't get me wrong, like, it's not where we want to be. We, you know, everyone has that sort of dream position, but it's, it's a further step in the right direction. And there's been a hell of a lot of work going on in the background from the clubs, NZR, um, players' association, players, to to 
everyone's had to compromise to get it to the position it's, it's in and um, it's, it's really exciting that it's extended. Um, you know, there's still a lot of drive and, and want to, to expand it even more in coming years, but the opportunities um, for the players, the most exciting part is obviously you've got your full-time Blackfern contracted players, but 80% of the, the actual group comes from people that are having to manage another uh, another role um, and try and live out their dream of, of playing Opiki, but obviously trying to get a Blackfern's contract. So, um, you know, like the way that it's been factored in is the pre-season's been massive. Like we got a lot of feedback last year from, from the players is they really want everyone to hit the ground running. They understand that it can't, um, you know, be uh, an eight to 10 week pre-season, um, you know, potentially in time, but not at the moment. So, we, you know, it's about coming in and making best use of the time for the rugby stuff. So that, that's why there's been a lot of, um, I suppose, the, the uh, increase in money has been to financially um, sort of have players do a, a training program specific in that sort of December, January period so that a lot of the work's done uh, and they're not chasing the tail, which in turn for the fans means a better product. It's all good. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. As I say, everyone's done a lot of work, there's compromise everywhere and there's, there's dreams of where it wants to go, but it's, um, it's pretty cool to see that it, it's agreed and, and coming to life. Yeah, these things take time mm. to get to these places, mm. so that's very good. That's very good. You pretty happy with it, Brent? You know, as professional players, the pre-season is really, really important to be able to hit the ground running for the product to be very, very good. Do you know what I mean? I felt in the, the O-Picky, the longer the duration of the, the competition went, the better of the rugby was better. So it's great to see that that longevity-wise is um, that the, the length, sorry, for the preseason is going to be better. And hopefully, in turn, the product's going to be a lot better for viewers and um, for the players as well. And I think probably one thing I believe, you know, having the the Australians, I know we're probably not there at that stage, but I think whether we can bring them in at some stage, it's going to be a growth for the area. And I know that there's been done um, stuff done domestically within New Zealand, which is great and it's great for the girls. But I think at the same time, we need to help out that Australian market. And I think it's no different from the men's at the moment. We're talking around helping Australia and being able to to grow them, especially with the competition element. And I think it's important for these girls to have that ability, not just the Black Ferns to play the Australians, but the girls that are on the cusp and or on that kind of... They want to have the ability to play the Australians. You get to do that in a in a Super Rugby uh, Pacific situation that, like the men do. You you get one chance with a lot of fans. So making sure that you don't go early and it's sort of 70, 80 points to nil is probably not going to motivate people to turn up. Yeah. So it's about making sure that both programs are in a position to be able to be competitive because as we've seen with this World Cup, the thing that's made it interesting is that uncertainty of result. And that's something that probably has hurt Super Rugby Pacific as well. You know, like everyone just expects the Crusaders to win eventually and, and New Zealand sides to dominate um, the final series. So um, creating something that hits the ground running and, and has that uncertainty of result um, would, would set the competition once expanded up for success. Especially with the NRLW out there, which is the rugby league competition in Australia, they have more money, they have more time and they're taking the great athletes. So you can't just come in with a sub par effort can you because there's serious competition at this end of the world no and i think you just seen the ruthless nature of i suppose um people's decision around entertainment yeah. like it is an entertainment um and you want to make sure that you're, you're the place of choice uh, and and when you go to market you want to make sure you've you've dotted your i's and crossed your t's well we look forward to that starting in march super rugby o picky now in a home and away length with a grand final so that competition is stepping up year by year by year before we go, let's quickly go through what we're looking like for these quarterfinals. So, <laughs> I'm dreading that. Let's start with the first one. Wales, Argentina. Argentina. 
I've already committed pre-show. Oh no, during the show. Yeah. I've committed to so I'll go Wales. You guys are going to go opposite on everything except the next one, aren't you? Um, so I'm not going to ask the normal question for this. Ireland versus New Zealand. What percentage of you thinks that New Zealand is going to win this? How big's my heart? <laughs> well, you got a big ticket, mate. Yeah, so it's definitely... It's a 70-30. It's 70-30? Like, I'm not going to ignore the fact that Ireland are favourites. Like, yeah. I, you know, people obviously know that I've spoken pretty positively about them today and, yep. you know, they're a red-hot chance. But I don't know. Um, call it blind faith or whatever. I, I just believe in our, 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 our lads that they can get a job done um, on the weekend. And, and we've got the players. We've yep. certainly got the players. We've just got to execute under pressure. And then it's on. Bryn. <laughs> what percentage, mate? <laughs> don't say Sorry, it. Sorry, my clarity. My don't clarity. Say it. 70 Giving credit to the All Blacks, is that what you're saying? That's your that's how good you feel? Yeah, well, technically my mum's Irish, so there is a bit of Irish in me, so I've just got to equate for that. Can I put these glasses on and not come back to New Zealand ever again? <laughs> do it, do it, do it. No, 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 it's you with that disguise on, Brent. I won't put a key on the bottom oh, of the man. I've um Oh man. That's really really it's just really, really hard. Very hesitant. I am hesitant because for me, if you're talking around percentages, it's a real 50-50 for me. And I genuinely, genuinely believe that. Um, my, my, heart, my, my heart tells me New Zealand like, plays the All Blacks. So I'm, I'm going to pick the All Blacks, obviously, for my heart, and I wouldn't be able to come back in the country. But my head actually does say Ireland. Your body language says Ireland as well. It does. Your body language says Ireland the old way. It does. Well, I mean, um, he's hoping that he's but, wrong again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Um, He's just trying to get one up on me. <laughs> um, really not. I'm, it's probably the, the toughest decision ever made in this kind of panel setup. Um, this kind of. He's setup. looking a bit emotional. Yeah, it's happening. I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back the back the Kiwis. I back the All Blacks, but my head. Oh. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. I've never seen someone talk around something and then go back to the. Oh. So, yeah, to be, to be clear, Bryn is backing New Zealand but not backing New Zealand. Yeah, to be uh, clear, Bryn's picking yeah. Ireland. Hey, Ross, that's a, that's a perfect way to put it, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. Oh, next right. one. Go to the next one. Okay, Please. go to the next one. Go right, to the next uh, one. England v Fiji. It's Chipper. Before that Samoan game, I would have said England. Yeah. Um, I want to keep the faith... I'm going to keep the faith in Fiji. Say Fiji. Okay. Okay, the faith is kept at that end. Um, yeah, the faith has is, is been tenuous so far in the last couple of minutes <laughs> over here in Hawaii. So um, where is your faith? Are you going England or Fiji? Oh, it's pretty clear, isn't it, I think, for the show that I'll probably go against Jim. So I'm going to go England. Yes. I'm going to go England. England are definitely the favourites, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but I, I just don't want to jump off that Fiji train. Yeah, yeah, mate. I want to head over there. I want to head over there and you know, have Fiji goals with my Fiji. One of us has to start. <laughs> okay, and the very last game, France against South Africa, Chipper. South Africa. South Africa. Can I have two? Can I have two? No, can, no. Can you no, have no. two? Oh, because oh, you want a, a with Dupont and a without Dupont. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, mate, you, you throw away the rules when you want. You go for it. Nah, so I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go if Dupont plays, France win. If Dupont doesn't play, South Africa, South Africa win. And you don't carry that. I know that's on the field. No. 
It's all South Africa for you. South Africa. I, I just don't like this fence-sitting stuff, you know. <laughs> just like to just say it how it is. It's down the line. I'm emotional. I'm emotional, Jip. You can obviously see that I'm emotional after the All Blacks <laughs> Island. Yeah. So, absolute head noise. Okay, right. Well, with that clear as mud, uh, thank you very much for joining us once again. Uh, we'll get to some more of your questions next week. There's a lot to chat about this week, so we haven't got to as many as we probably would have liked to. Uh, send us an email, aotearoarugbypod at sky.co.nz or put a little comment in the YouTube comments section and we'll fish through and find them and uh, try our very best to answer questions that come through in the time that we have. So, did it. Thank you very much, Chip. Cheers, Ross. Good luck to Fiji. Likes of the All Blacks. It's the, the only one I really, really, care, really about. care about. <laughs> and for your sake, I hope the All Blacks win. Oh, oh me too, mate. Otherwise, I'll be putting on these uh, these sunglasses, and I won't be coming back to New Zealand. So, nah, it's been good. Been good from Hawaii, lads. Look forward to catching up for you next week. Great, and thank you all for joining us here on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Enjoy the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals. You can catch us on YouTube, you can catch us on Audio Pod, see us on Sky Sport or on Rugby Passes channels. Catch us anywhere you like. Enjoy having you along. Thanks once again. Matewa.